Welcome back, Seahawks fan, to another Seahawks Nest podcast. I'm Kevin Garber, and with me, as always, is the Bill Skarsgård Pennywise to my Tim Curry Pennywise, Nathan Santo. All right. It's not as easy as it looks, is it, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> and the giant spider, Eric Ronnebeck. Okay. All, All right. right. I'll take it. Eric. Eric um, the glowing tummy. Eric, but, but the thing he didn't tell you was you're not the giant spider from, from, uh, from It. Oh, no. You're the giant spider from, from Wild, 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 Wild West. West. Exactly. <laughs> So well, you, and also the giant spider from the unmade Superman movie. We're going straight <laughs> to the same giant to spider. The wild, wild, wild west. Uh, okay, anyway. Rumors, uh, we're so good. Wow, 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 And playing the role of Cool Modi will be Kevin Garber. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so anyway. Um, <laughs> Nathan heard, lost it. This is the best and worst intro. I don't even know what to do now. Like, where. Where do we go from here? Only down. No, let's go up. Let's go up to heaven, where Paul Allen is looking down upon us. No, Kevin, delete it. Start <laughs> too, over. Too much. Do, do too we, much. Do we no, actually? No, no we got to keep it. That. Keep it's it? awful. All right. So, um, but but no, but in all I thought it was a fine reach. In yeah, all that, was, that was the. Uh, I went was, for the. That was the veterinary on the farm hand up the cow's rectum of uh, transitions. I, and I respect the, you for it. I went for the transition. Okay, um, but <laughs> he saw the opportunity and he took it. Okay, let's let's be serious though. Um, Paul Allen, he saved the Seahawks from moving to Los Angeles, and he I don't think he ever really in his early life in his uh, when he became a first became a billionaire. I don't think he imagined himself as a sports owner, but then it turned out that he was a sports owner and he was hands off and probably the best owner the Seahawks could have asked for. Um, do you guys have anything you, you'd like? I know we didn't address it last week, which a lot of people expected us to, but I needed more time to let it like marinate and I let it to think about it. I've read a lot of articles. I don't think there's much we can say that hasn't been said, but Kevin, do you want to make just a couple comments? Yeah, I just have a really simple thing to say. Um, in a city that has had a really poor ownership history, um, Paul Allen really was the ideal balance of cared a lot to make sure that the franchise was being taken care of. But knew that he didn't want to meddle with it too much, and that's what he hired people to take care of for him. And so that's all I have to say is when I think about like the plutonic ideal of ownership in this city, that is Paul Allen right now. All right, Eric, do you uh, do you want to uh, make make a comment? Uh, this is a guy who loved basketball, bought the Portland Trailblazers, really wanted to see a championship there. It's really hard to win a championship in pro sports. Unless you're like the the Marlins twice miraculously. Uh, He didn't get a chance to do it in Portland. He came close. Ran into Jordan, of course. And uh, here, though, he really tried to make a winner uh, twice. Think about since Paulin took over. We've had two head coaches. Uh, Both were really good and great Hall of Fame coaches. And uh, just thanks a lot. I'll uh, I'll definitely uh, miss you waving the flag of those NFC Championship games. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a uh, solid owner, a uh, good person. Uh, I think that, you know, it, it was it was good to have an owner that didn't seem like a scumbag. And so many of these owners like Jerry Jones and Bob McNair, they seem just like turds, you know, <laughs> guys that I would be kind of ashamed that they were my owner. And uh, he was not like that. And so it was kind of a refreshing and, uh, you know, good, good change from that. So, uh, yep, that's that's all I have to say about that. Cancer sucks. And uh, we uh, go get yourself screened. You know, that's like the lesson I think that we should take away from this is like cancer is a real thing and you need to take care of yourself and make sure you're going to the doctor and getting yourself checked on. And 
uh, it could come back at any time and it's really hard to fight because like you know just a week before that he was saying he was gonna you know beat it again right and yeah. then one week later it was over yep so all right um that on uh, sombering note um let's let's get some uh let's get some more uh, let's hit a more upbeat note upbeat notes well, seahawks playoff of the seahawks seahawks playoff odds are up to 39.4 percent baby Let's go. 8.5 mean wins, which is pretty much if you would have made me guess what their mean wins was before the season started, I would have said 8.5 is a solid number. You know, that's I think that's actually uh, underplaying the percentage from a betting in Vegas perspective. Um, do you want to talk about the team now or do you want to talk about the future schedule and wins? Okay, I want to talk. I want to talk first about like what our chances are to make the playoffs and the future schedule. So here's the teams we're really competing with. I think one team gets out of the NFC East. I, I think most of those other teams are going to struggle. To get I think to zero teams eight. deserve to get out. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Washington's going to earn it. I think Washington's going to go ten and six in a room. We're going to feel like they earned it. I think the NFC North has like one or two teams. All those teams are going to be pretty competitive to the end. They might beat each other up a bit. One of those teams, if there are two, will not deserve it. So the NFC South might get one or two teams, and then the NFC West might get one or two teams. So we're going to just eliminate the rest of the NFC East. I don't I don't like the wild card chances of any of those teams. I would like to take this chance to point out, didn't Washington lose to Indy? Doesn't matter. They're four and two. I just it? wanted to point that out that they, you're saying that their team will feel deserves it after losing to Indy. Indy is not that bad. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> their Dave is positive three point five percent, which is like pretty solid. The Seahawks are only positive six point six percent. It's twice as good. Nah, that's not how that works. <laughs> that is not how that works. Then the Rams are five times better than us. <laughs> which, so I, actually, that I've I've kind of seen the on-field product. That might you be lost by three points, Kevin. All right, get out. You're out. It is, Kevin's out for the rest. He's in the penalty box for the rest of the podcast. Uh, okay, so here's the teams we're really competing with. Okay, Carolina. Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Okay, those three teams. We uh, Atlanta's up to three and four now somehow. Uh, Tampa Bay's three and three. Carolina's four and two. Uh, we're probably going to have to compete with one of those teams. And then uh, minute or Chicago, Green Bay, Chicago, Green Bay, and Detroit, which are three and three, three and two, three two and one, and three and three as well. And Minnesota. And the thing that's cool is that we get to play one of these teams. Oh, well, Minnesota's. I think Minnesota's going to win that division. That's my prediction. Over Green Bay, huh? Over Green Bay. Ugh, I don't think they're playing well enough. Minnesota, I, Minnesota's offense is really good, like way better than I thought. So that that's kind of my my take on them. Uh, so let's say we get to play Detroit directly this week. So it's a pretty actually important game. This is a team we are directly competing with with a playoff spot. We're both three and three. We're both kind of in the middle of it. According to most advanced stats, te- most advanced stats think we're better, but we have to go in their house and beat them. So that that makes it a little more challenging. We right? also get Green Bay and Minnesota at home. And we're playing at Carolina, so we're playing four of the teams that we're competing with for this playoff spot. So, so if we if we we want to go out and win a playoff spot, we can go out on the field and earn it. We don't have to to hide behind anything or anything like that. We're tenth in DVOA right now, twentieth in offense, fourth in defense, nineteenth uh, in special teams. A pretty pretty medium performance, but put but because the league is so stratified this year, like there's like five teams doing really good things, and everyone else is kind of like very questionable it puts us right in the mix with with everyone else as a top 10 team so looking forward seahawks schedule let's go over it here we go you guys ready yep it's everything's everyone's favorite thing to do which is that where we go over the rest of the seahawks schedule okay eric yes you're gonna say first okay win loss uh win or loss you can't say tie this is not the cleveland browns (laughs) seahawks at lions yeah it's a win that's you got the w kevin 
W. W. I got the W as well. It's tough. I think the Lions. This is a. Coin. I think we match up well against them, and we'll talk about that. I think the, the Lions should be a pick 'em. Like I think that we should on a neutral field. We should be favored at home. We should be favored by like five and a half or six. Uh, okay, Chargers coming to town against the Seahawks. I'm gonna say we take the L in this one. I like. I think the Chargers are really good. Um, very underrated. If if uh, a meteor hit Kansas City right now and Patrick Mahomes died. Everyone would say Philip Rivers is the MVP, so that that's that's where I'm at with the the Chargers right now. Kevin, uh, I think that the Chargers defense will have Bosa back by then, unless it comes down to special teams. I think that's the only area we really have a distinct advantage. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers, but I wouldn't be shocked if at home our defense can rise to the occasion. No, and our our pass rush is good at home, and we can harass Rivers into having kind of a medium game. It's not it's a close one again. I would. Wouldn't I'd say we're more likely to lose than win, though. I have a I have a loss for this game because one Bose is coming back and he will be ninety percent, hundred percent healthy. Right. But also the when we when we go up against a, a back like Melvin Gordon, we're probably not going to isolate him as much as we'd like. And uh, uh, that's that's I, I I count on Gordon more than I do uh, Rivers right now. Seahawks head to Los Angeles to face the Rams, Eric. It's a loss. It's a big loss, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to give us the L as well. Kevin, Even though it's not really a home Kevin, game. Kevin, you, you, you got the faith? Uh, no, the... we're going to be in consensus here, which puts us at four and five coming yep, uh, out of the bye, basically. Um, like three games out of the bye, four and five. We're going to have to start peeling off some W's here. Well, here's the first W. Uh, Sacks play host to the Packers on Thursday night foot foosball. Uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks in that one, no problem. Eric? I'll say this. I like the Packers to win the division. However, if we are a playoff team, if we're going to uh, fi- find those wins somewhere, you're going to have to do uh, probably go 2-2 two and two against those other playoff teams are competing up against, competing against. And this is one of those teams that I think you can grab one. It's time that we we brought back that streak of beating the Packers. They've, they've had a few on us. It's our turn now. At home, we're beating Green Bay. All right, then we have 11 days to prepare to go to Carolina and beat the Panthers. I got us in that one, Seahawks. Kevin? I have us in that one, too. I'm just not a believer in Carolina. I don't believe in Carolina, but, man, that travel sucks. I have it as a win, but... It's 10 um, days, Eric. We get extra time to go there. Yes, and we will We will not leave early. Go ahead. Seahawks plus the 49ers. Easy dub. Should be a win. Is Grapple playing? Just kidding. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, Seahawks host the Vikings. I think that's a, that's a win as well. At home, our defensive line should be able to harass Cousins enough that he can't make the passing game work. If, that should be a if, win. If Griffin's back in full force, I think the Vikings could be really, really good. So that could maybe be a loss. But I think their defense is a little overrated. I also don't think that they're going to be completely healthy around that time. We'll see. But give me a win. Uh, Seahawks head to 49ers. Easy win. Should be a win. win. Um, Chiefs hosts are come to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Two weeks before the season ends. Uh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go Chiefs, um, but there's a chance because they already have a loss that they might have locked up like the one seed at that point. Uh, it, it really depends on what happens with them and the Chargers. So um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the old C Chiefs in that one, <laughs> Eric. I'm going win for the Seahawks Ooh. because Patrick Mahomes is young. He is coming to Seattle. I on it's a primetime game. I I think. Is uh, it? It's it's you know not what? it's not right now. It will but be. They'll flex that. They may. We'll it depends on where we're at. If if they're at where we think they're at, which right now I think we have the Seahawks at nine and four. 
right? Nine and five. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, though. Our defense is good. Nine and, and five. Mahomes yeah, will slip up in that game. I honestly see a win in that. It's, right. It is a win. Kevin? I think we're going to tie. lose to oh, one go. of Carolina, Minnesota, or Kansas City. And so I'll place the loss here. Yeah, two out of three. Yeah, that seems fair. Maybe one out of three. Then I've got Cardinals, Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks win that one. Cardinals, Cardinals fighting for a playoff spot. <laughs> Seattle fighting for a playoff spot. No. Cardinals fighting for nothing. Seattle fighting for a playoff spot. That's one you have it's to win. It's going to be a thing where we – This is, it's either going to be one of two situations. Either we're going to be able to win and be in, or we're going to be able to like win and get help and be in. So no matter what, we're going to be playing to get the win. We're not. They're not going to be messing around in this game. So we're consensus except for the Chiefs game. Yeah. and that, So that puts us at 10-6, and six, um, which I think would be uh, – no matter playoffs or not, that would be, I would consider that a successful season. Uh, even 9-7 and seven, I would consider a pretty successful season. Uh, nine and seven puts us both those records nine and seven and ten and six will put us in the playoff hunt. The East is or the NFC is pretty flat in terms of like there's two te- there's two teams that are pretty dominant the Saints and the Rams and then everyone else is um, a little like a half step below that and I think that that puts us right in we're in that mix with everyone else. Um, you can't you can't cross us off as a, as they say uh, we have a we have a really good point differential right now our DVOA is good our advanced stats look good. I'm feeling pretty decent about where the team is at in terms of a you know fringe playoff contender. There's just no way we can pass the Rams. It sucks. We have zero chance to win the division. Yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> depressing. No, they're too uh, too powerful. The Rams are really good. It's it, it's the whole rookie quarterback thing. We got to do this a couple of years ago, where you just get to load up because your quarterback's a rookie, yep. and you just get to have like everyone, and you're just like, yeah, we could sign everyone. We could trade for everyone. Who cares? Who needs draft picks? We could just get everyone. Yeah, it's it's not it's kind of unfair, but they mortgage themselves on this season, and they're taking advantage of that, and that's the way it is. I mean, good for them. Okay, let's look. We have another long form topic, but let's look ahead to the game against Detroit now, and then come back to the long circle back to the other long form topic since we're talking about what what's coming right away. The record. Well, for the I CX. I actually would like to talk a little bit more about the state of the team. Well, can't but I can't. We do it. Okay. We just pick this game really quick because I don't think that there's a lot to say about Detroit and Detroit versus Seattle in my opinion okay detroit is the fifth 30th ranked defensive dvoa and i think that this is the week the kind of the dam breaks for the seahawks offense they're a really bad defense an improving offense but a very very bad defense and the seahawks passing game this is russell wilson's kind of worst statistical season that he's he's been putting together so far and i think this is the week where you see the 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 floodgates break. We saw it start to happen the last couple of weeks. We returned to play action. We started throwing it long. You know, we started to see it happen. And then this week's going to be the week where it's just like the dam breaks and the flood, the floodgates open and the offense just moves the ball. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts about Detroit or um, or the Seahawks in in general uh, in this in this game? I mean, I just think that it's kind of a boring matchup to break down. Like their their offense is good to decent, but their defense is so bad. Um, carry on Johnson ran for 160 yards, Eric. How do you feel about carry on Edward Johnson? <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to carry it over podcast. I'll say this, uh, carry on Johnson. Maybe he's excellent. Nathan, uh, maybe he's the next heir apparent to Barry Sanders in, uh, a motor motor city place. Not this week. He's going to run into trouble. Also, I don't think uh, Matt Patricia uh, matches up really well against Pete Carroll, even if our offensive coordinator is uh, maybe maybe uh, a little a little hedgish in the way he he calls the game. I feel like even though this is a game we have to travel for, 
This matches up for our defense. Golden Tate will probably have a good game. Matt Stafford, I think, will have a decent game. But Matt Stafford also likes to throw some picks. Go Hawks. My favorite thing about this Detroit team is, like, I tried to figure out, like, hey, maybe their defense is good at something. Like, maybe there's some some stat that, like, people are missing that they're good at. And then I, like, started looking, and I was like, well, they they don't miss open field tackles a whole lot. And, and that that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all they're good at. Like, they don't stop the run. They are really bad against the pass. All different kinds of receivers, too. They're, like, 32nd against one receivers, 30th against two receivers, 31st against three receivers. They're 18th against running backs, but that's still not, like, good. There's just nothing they do well. I'm just not, like, a... Like, I'm, I'm not a... They, yeah, open field tackling was the thing I could find that they were... Uh, they don't miss a lot of open field tackles, guys. Get ready. Um, uh, their defensive line has a really good adjusted sack rate. All right. Uh, they rush the passer fairly well. Um, but compa- contem- contemporary to to their to their peers, like their pass rush rating on Pro Football Focus is twenty seventh out of thirty two. Like they, I think like it might be. be a but product. their adjusted sack rate is high. But the, the the thing that makes that kind of a that's what I was about to say. The thing that makes it a teetering that, statistic in this instance is, they're not is getting, the fact that everyone's running against them because they're giving up over five yards per carry on right. adjusted line yards. And the other thing is, is that they're just not getting any other pressures that aren't sacks. You know what I mean? Like most right. of their pressures are turning into sacks, which is uh, we've talked about this before with in ours. Like you can still be a really good pass rush even if you're not finishing sacks. You can get away with it if you just make a lot of pressures, hit the quarterback, beat him up. We used to do this all the time as the Seahawks, right? Averill comes in. He doesn't finish the sack, but he impacts the play. Uh, or he may, yeah, he makes the quarterback move a little bit. Yeah, because they're tied for fourth in total sack numbers of 21. But basically what you're saying, unless somebody like uh, Ziggy Ansah or somebody kind of busts in loose and just m- cleans up the play, then they're not really doing much. So don't be surprised if we end up giving up a couple of sacks. Yeah. But it also might not mean that much. But the last three weeks, too, don't forget, like we've been one of the best pass the pass protection teams in the entire league. The Solari coaching, just shed, shedding Tom Cable. Who knew? Okay, wait. Everybody, Every, we all everybody knew. on everybody this podcast. On this podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> we, we, wait, we've been banging this drum for like three years. Yeah, we've been taking that for granted all season, not addressing that every single week. Hey, guys, Deshaun Shedd played five snaps last week. That's because we addressed it for five seasons. <laughs> Uh, Sean Shedd, good to see him still alive. Yeah, he's, yeah, good for him. He's playing football. He, he, it, the big thing here is I feel like everything Detroit does is something that will let them score somewhere in the 20s against us. Like, they're going to probably get a couple of good pass plays in. Their running back will be decent. Now, our run defense is pretty stout, though. But our run defense is stout, which is be enough to kind of bottle it up. I don't think their rushing attack is great by any means. Um, Did you see KJ Wright practiced this week? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. So that's good news. If KJ comes back, I think we're going to be elite against the run. Like I we agree, go from, and that's what Arkevius Minko playing really well. Yeah, we go from good against the run to elite against the run. Do you think when KJ Wright comes back, we'll keep playing this four-two-five kind of defense? Uh, probably. Yeah, I think Mingo will start playing more defensive end too. I'd be really excited to see that. So it'd be like a four-three over kind of thing uh-huh. that ends up. Yeah. No, it's it's more. It, I think it'll be like a like a three-four thing where they like. Like a borderline three four, like where they like the the um the set they do sometimes. They used to do it with Clement Clemens, where they have three down linemen and then they have two guys standing on the outside who both can kind of cover. Yeah, uh, like Clark is not that bad in pass protection. So like if they, I think they'll do stuff like that where it's like they can get tricky with it a little bit. I agree. It allows a lot more flexibility, and that's what Pete likes on his defense. Um, to adjust uh, or to address Eric's point about the offense, I think something. 
to consider is after Pete Carroll came out with his comments about needing to kind of take his hands out of the offense, we have seen the adjustments that we were hoping to see. Starting, you know, around week three or week four, we started seeing the ball be run more. And then as the running game was established, we started seeing the play action pass come in. So now we have a couple of consecutive weeks where Russell Wilson's getting to take some deep shots. I mean, the team took their foot off the gas against Oakland because they didn't need it. If they wanted to, they could have hung another two touchdowns on them. They basically chose not to. So this is a team where I'm going to agree with what you just said, Nathan. This is where we see the offense really open it up because they probably will need to score enough points because I think Detroit will come out and get theirs. They're not going to be able to hold back and just like get away. They're not going to be able to get away with like running a vanilla boring offense. They're going to need to hit some 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 uh, deep throws. They're going to I think Doug is going to look good in this game. That's my weird prediction is that Doug he started he's starting to turn the corner a little bit. He started to look a little I think we kind of called him out. Maybe he listens to the podcast guys cuz like we were like <laughs> Doug just looks a step he slow and then talk instant, instantly he like, we were looked better. very close Doug and I almost. but uh, i think my prediction is at least twice we're going to get somebody behind their defense for a long touchdown one of them might be to doug one it might be doug it might be Lockett. it might be brown don't forget somebody's going to get behind him for a long doug baldwin against golden tate they don't play opposite each other on the field but on opposite teams i don't know detroit's defense could get all the help that's true (laughs) uh there's there's that competition there it's fun to watch did you guys see that um mcdougall got a uh, unnecessary roughness. Yeah, Amari Cooper, right? That was a clean hit. What is he supposed to do? Uh, by the rules, it is, He's it is a finable hit. Him. You should, uh, that, he, yeah, they prefer it's, if you just don't play defense anymore. Yeah, that's really how it is. All right, so brainwashed let's, guys. Um, let's go ahead and roll the picks. Oh wait, we all already picked Seattle, which is kind of why I wanted to get this over with. We picked them just a minute ago. Okay, all right. So let's get scores. Let's, let's scores. Okay, uh, Seattle thirty-eight, Detroit twenty twenty-four. We are having a trouble. Uh, we are having a trouble, dear Lord. We are having troubles scoring high. Twenty three twenty Seahawks. Ooh, it'll there, it'll be a late score, but I'm gonna air it out in the dome. I'm going uh, Seattle thirty seven, Detroit twenty three. Oh, Kevin just takes away one point from each. <laughs> Damn you, Garber. Okay, uh, Kevin, the- like an old man in a football pool. Picks one point lower. Hey man, if <laughs> so this price is right. Oh uh, wait, that's that's the opposite of what you want to do. With prices right, you want to go. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have the good prices right scores. Here we go. Um, the the let's get into it. So the rest of the podcast, what we have planned is to talk about the future of the Seattle Seahawks beyond this year. So Kevin's got draft picks as always. He's our draft yes. master, the master of the draft. I got free agency and uh, and contracts, and Eric has. Generic commentary, guys. He's Mr. I'm, Hot Takes today. Honestly, I love my generic commentary. I don't know about you guys. But also, there might love. be some uniform changes. Love is not that strong. Eric, skip Rhonda Bickless. Eric, love is not strong enough for me. I, I, uh, you what, adore? What's, what's more than love? Yeah, you adore? exactly. I'm, I'm above that. I'm, I'm going to skip Bayless, Kevin. Well, I don't know. I just think it's probably time for Russell Wilson. Eric, Eric, a Ronnebeck. Ski. Something, something racist. Something vaguely racist. <laughs> Russell Wilson needs to retire. He's not that good. 
Uh, did you guys see I that? Did you guys see that? I retweeted this on uh, on our feed. Did you guys see the uh, Skip Bayless doing the Conor McGregor walk? <laughs> that oh, was no. really, that was, was really awkward. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. No, don't go, Eric. Kevin, go. Eric, no, you really should watch this. Eric, oh, no. Eric has watched. So, Eric, I want your reaction. I also want. Live I want person. your fashion comment commentary right here too. Oh man, he's he's doing the Vince McMahon walk. That's no, what that's, 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 that's he said it's the Conor McGregor walk. Here we go. Look, well, they're both old. <laughs> Someone punch that old man in the face. Please, please put that on my tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> NFL, meme says it, NFL meme says it's the worst thing you will see today. Yeah. Well, what did you see? Accurate. Did you see this one too where Zach Ertz tried to stand up for Carson Wentz and just got smacked in the mouth? Yep. I loved it. Okay. Uh, Kevin, how do you, since your draft is your thing, how do you want to approach this? What's your what's your plan for, for uh, telling us about the Seahawks draft strategy? And can we tell you what we want? I think if you guys want to start talking about positions, I can start talking some talent. So we, so you want to go position by position and go free agency and at and talent at the same time? Let's do it that way. Like okay. uh, talent and maybe where I just wanted to make pick. sure you didn't have like a format in mind before I... I, I did not have... I. My uh, my spreadsheet is your oyster. Oh yeah, you made a spreadsheet. Hey, Kevin, can Dang, you also... all, I, all I did was open up the free agency page on Spotrack. I I did. I have a <laughs> <laughs> I have a running draft spreadsheet that I keep through the college football season. Can uh, you uh, add another draft pick for when we trade Brett Hundley to somebody in the next two days? Oh, no? okay. Jacksonville gives us a fifth round pick for Brett. Oh, Hundley. please, God, if you're listening, help. <laughs> okay, so let's go. Okay. Um, let's best do this. We got uh, free agents for next year, guys who will not be on the Seahawks roster for next year. So let's let's start a quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson's under contract. The end. Okay, let's go to running back. Uh, well, they want the Brett Hundley take. Uh, okay, Brett Hundley's a free agent, and I don't think we should resign him. There's your take. Uh, okay, good thing we traded for him. God, uh, if we resign him for the minimum, then that's fine. That is my take. Like if we pay him some uh, some real Austin Davis money. That's having, fine with me. Having a serviceable NFL back backup NFL quarterback has value. I'll just that okay. I, I don't want to really talk about it <laughs> any more than this. But the fact you skipped it now made us talk about it more than we would have been. <sighs> okay, so. running back. Um, Rashad Penny's under contract for four more years. Procise under contract for two, and Carson is under contract for three. Mike Davis and JD McKissick are both free agents. Mike Davis of the unrestricted variety, JD McKissick of the restricted variety. Eric, first questions for you: Would you offer sheet JD McKissick? No, no, yep. I wouldn't. I'm right there with you. Uh, okay. And honestly, before the season started, I would. I'd, I'd have said, yeah. Should we re-sign Mike Davis? <sighs> No. Okay, Kevin, do you agree with both of these takes? Uh, I I agree for sure with the McKissick take. I think we offer a small contract to Davis. If somebody wants to actually pay him, they're welcome to. Yeah, I think that... The What's best, a small contract that is realistic? $1.5 1. Okay, I thought it would be somewhere around 2.5 because I don't know how long yeah, he's he made one. He made 1.237 this year. I think 1.5 next year gets him back in a Seahawks uniform. We go to war with Penny, Davis, uh, Procise, and Cole Carson as our running backs. I think that is A-OK. Yep, and if we end up losing Davis, you know, uh, grab some guy off the back into somebody else's roster or, you know, throw a late-round draft pick in that direction ready is for the, fine. Ready for this take, Kevin? You're going to like this one. Seahawks should not RFA tender Trey Madden. They should be playing Swoops, Darrell Daniels, or George Fan at fullback. I don't care. Just any they can play anyone there. It doesn't matter. He plays like four snaps a game. It's such a waste of a roster spot. 
Okay, there's my... Agreed. <laughs> and he's not even... If, okay. He's, he's not, not even especially effective in that role. He's not a super good fullback. I feel like he's like a... If he's a really good special teamer, I could see it. We are shoehorning him right but now. But like, I feel like we're just kind of forcing it um, with the fullback. Okay, next year's UFAs. Brandon Marshall. Um, bye. We all agree on that? Yep. I'm, I'm glad he was here for as short as he was. Uh, okay. Um, David Moore. Uh, he is still under contract, right? He No. He's an ER, ERFA. So... Okay. Uh, for me, he's a wait and see. It's too early to see. You don't, you don't think that we should throw a decent chunk of change at him, like maybe a two-year, $8 million contract to try to make sure he stays in a Seahawks uniform? No. Okay. Uh, I do think so. I think we should offer him a modest deal. His skill set is one that works well over time. Yeah. Four, year, four million? Guess what? Year? Guess what, guys? We got Darbo back. So, you know, we have him too. Don't forget. Uh, is he back, really? Yeah, he's on the practice squad. IR pra- he's on the IR practice Thanks, squad. Thanks, Um. And then uh, Brandon Marshall, bye. Uh, I already said that, right? Yep. All right. Um, tight ends. We got Dixon, Vanette, and Disley are all under contract. Uh, Dixon's probably gone. Hello, Swoops. Uh, Daryl Daniels and Swoops are both ERFAs, so we have to. We can't even run really tender. Do, do you, so you want Swoops back, Kevin? I would be interested in getting Swoops back because we could probably get him at the minimum. I yeah, agree. He's pretty good. I'm actually fairly impressed with what with his work. All right, Fluker. This is a big one. Okay, we go to offensive line. Uh, Brown, Britt, Afedi, Posich, and Jamarco Jones are under contract. That is probably your starting offensive line for next year, uh, if if nothing changes. Um, so then let's talk about the guys who either are backing up or competing for spots that could come back. Fluker, Kevin, is he on like a must resign? Must no, but um, I think it really depends on what other people are offering. If he'll come back on a similar contract, he's not coming back again for one point three million dollars. Well, never sorry. happening. If he comes back for I don't know. I'd probably go up to what? Probably between three and five. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that he's going to end up getting a contract that's like 212 or something like that. Like, like If we can get him like 210, I'm okay with that. Okay. I think so, too. If if anything, this year has proven what happens when you actually invest in your offensive line and it works. Do you RFA tender George Fant? Yes. Absolutely for me. There's no doubt in my mind. He's got too much talent and upside to not... Yeah, I, and it sounds weird, but we've spent so much time and 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 resources on. And we him. just finally got a coach for him. Seriously, all right. It's, and then and then uh, Joey Hunt. Do you tender Joey Hunt? Not unless he comes back for minimum. It's a no for me. As yeah, well. it's a no. Uh, I think that that I feel like we could Joey pick Hunt's up another player, UDFA and replace but, him. Yeah, you can just you can take a seventh round draft pick and replace what Joey Hunt gives you. It's not not anything you need to spend money on. Um, okay, so. That means that we would probably need to draft at least one offensive lineman. Uh, Kevin, uh, do, is there an offensive lineman worthy of a first-round pick this year, or is it defensive lineup Palooza there? Uh, I do think that there are a few pretty, uh, right, like, you, very talented offensive linemen. What you linemen. got? Hit me. So, uh, there's the typical, like, there's a left tackle out of Alabama, Jonah Williams, um, Greg Little out of Ole Miss. Uh, Greg Little's a little hard to... Um, a little hard to wrap your head around right now because of the offense that he's in, but he's one of those people where you'll really quickly start seeing as you move through like the offseason activities, kind of how his game's going to translate. I actually really like the offensive, the interior offensive line. So I think Alex Bars from Notre Dame, who'd be moving inside to guard, is really good. Um, compete, compete with Posage kind of for that second guard spot. Yeah, uh, Michael Dieter from Wisconsin, uh, Bo Benchwazel. Uh, there's a number of interior offensive linemen who I could see if somebody offers six or seven million to Fluker 
to leave, we might. I think that's the easier position to replace, unless we're going to try and pick up a right tackle and slide a Fetty to the inside. If you're trying to grab a right tackle and slide a Fetty, then a guy I, like Isaiah Prince out of I Ohio think, State or Caleb McGarry out of Washington in like the third round would make I, a lot of sense. I think that the the the, the moving a Fetty thing is over. He is. I think you're right. He has proven he can play right tackle at this point to the point where it's it was all Cable's fault. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. At this point, what you'd be looking for is somebody who really understands how to play the position to slide in next to him. Yeah. They can, uh, I think Jamarco is the guy, dude. If There's a, there's a guy already on our roster that's going to compete for that. I don't know if Jamarco right Jones can play on the inside. No, it's going to play right tackle, I mean. Like, if there's someone to compete with a Fetty at right tackle, it's Jamarco. Like, that guy's already on our roster. The, yeah, like, but the kind or of, Vamp. The kind of swingy, yeah, sure, Vant too. Like those guys are. We already have access to to tackles to compete with a Fetty or push a Fetty. Um, it's we need inside guys, and then you named a couple of ones that sound pretty pretty sweet. So yeah, Wisconsin's power run game lends itself to what we want from an interior offensive lineman. So I'm really interested in the couple of guys out of uh, Wisconsin, especially. Um, the so George, uh, so okay, we want to tender George Fant. We probably want to draft an offensive lineman in the third round or maybe later. Uh, first round pick only if the right guy is available, because um, we don't we don't have a second round pick. I just want to reiterate that to everyone that uh, Jeremy Lane took our second round pick. Thanks, Jeremy Lane. You just screwed us over one last time. One for the road, baby. A defensive line. Who boy? You ready? We get to pay Malik McDowell some money next year. Uh, oh, good. I hope that works out. Guys, guys who actually will play football that are under contract: Jaron Reed, Nazaire Jones, Rasheem Green. Jake Martin and Puna Ford. That's it. Those are pretty good guys. They're all good. Uh, Jake Martin, I think, is really starting to uh, get it. I don't know if he's really good for a four-three defense in that three-four hybrid scheme that we, you keep talking about. Yeah, once when, we get our linebackers exactly. back, he could really flash on like passing downs. Right. He's not going to ever play more than fifteen snaps a game unless he really bulks up. But that's fine. You need role players on a on a football team, and he has good size speed for a special teamer. And he has a he has a role. Play special teams, come in and get a couple sacks or make a couple big plays. Uh, okay, guys that we could RFA. Here we go. You ready? Quentin Jefferson. Would uh, you tender Quentin Jefferson? Absolutely for me. No, I think so because no of the lower, versatility. Lower offers. round tender. I'm not going to give him the first round or second round tender. but Looking lower, like a third or a fourth. Yeah. If you can get him on that, I'm down with that. But otherwise, I feel like that's someone you can get in the draft. Brandon Jackson. No. Mm-mm. No. No, honestly. I think that's a guy that you can pick up off another team. Okay, uh, then you unrestricted free agents. Shamar Steven? I'm not as high on him as you guys are. I think we have a good defensive line rotation without I him. I think if he comes back for $2 million again, it's fine. Sure, like, I just don't think he will. Right, The right amount contract. And I don't I think, think he's done he anything to earn much more than that. So. I'd be, yeah, if it's 2 and a half or under, I'm down. I'd be pretty happy at 2. Uh, Frank Clark? Yes. Yeah. What kind of Okay, what kind of contract do you think Frank Clark gets? Bruce Irvin uh, deal? Honestly, I think we're going to have to give... I think we're probably going to have to franchise him. He's going to want to test free agency waters. Uh, we'll either fran- we can maybe franchise him and then give him a deal under the franchise tag. Otherwise, it's going to be like what, probably twelve, more, fifteen. I think fifteen is is getting there. Because okay, I'm going to tell you some active defensive end contracts that I think could be comparable to what he is going to get. What's okay? Everson Griffin getting? Um, Everson Griffin is the, the first person I was going to say. Fourteen point five million. Okay, there we go. Um, Somewhere between fourteen and fifteen. Then, uh, then, <laughs> then the guys that are above him though, recent contracts. Uh, 
Zeke, Ezekiel Ansah is going to make seventeen million dollars this year off on on his oh. uh, on his uh, franchise tender. So is Demarcus Lawrence got the exact same amount. Um, and then you've got uh, Chandler Jones sixteen and a half. Jason Pierre-Paul makes fifteen and a half this year. Uh, Dan- Daniel Hunter fourteen four. Car- uh, Robert Quinn fourteen two five. So I think that he's going to get into that fourteen million range. If he's between fourteen and fifteen, it's a good contract. If he's under seventeen, it's an acceptable contract. That's where I'm at. Think about this: is he's he's the like the uh, the straw that stirs the drink on our pass rush. No, he's the youngest guy out of all these guys. Like he's Frank, also a more consistent pass rusher than most of those. Frank guys. Clark right now is twenty five, and all of these guys are older than that. Like so, he's got kind of the first guy who's getting to his second contract here. Um, we're lucky that like someone like Jadavian Clowney, Joey Bosa isn't getting there first because that could really like screw up the market. Like yep. those, those Jadavian Clowney's next contract is going to be ridiculous. If we can get Clark um, to like a four year deal by year two, it could look real good for us. Yeah, because all these guys are going to look come like up. the Russell Wilson deal. Bosa, Clowney, Dante Fowler, like all these guys who are young, the young good pass rushers, right? Are Vic Beasley. Uh, okay, maybe Vic Beasley's a stretch, but a lot of these guys are going to get like you know fourteen plus. They're all going to go for an, a contract above this this like kind of arbitrary line. Now, if we can get them for like Akeem Hicks money, well, Akeem Hicks got twelve, or Cameron Jordan got eleven. That's a massive steal. Yeah, then I think that that contract is going to look really good as the contract ages. So that's what we have to hope for is that maybe he he just really wants to be a Seahawk and he just takes you know sixty million over five years. And yeah, maybe he wants the length and security from that. And if that's the case, like, if I can get him for, like, 12 for five years, sign me up fast. Yeah. Maybe he goes for Aaron Donald money. No, I'm just kidding. Please, no. $135 million over six years, guys. Okay. Uh, so, defensive tackles, defensive ends. Kevin, I know this is the position in the draft with the most interest. Who? Let's, let's go middle of the first round and then third rounders. Who are the guys that that the Seahawks could be looking at? Because I know this is a deep talent draft. So who do who could we looking at in the in those spots? So this is a really interesting one. There's uh, if you're looking in the first round defensive end, uh, Nick Bosa is going to go off fast. He's basically just gone right away. Clellan Farrell is probably going to be out really fast there too. At Oliver, uh, defensive tackle is where the rest of like the top ten talent is. Um, Ed Oliver is going to be out really fast. Raekwon Davis out of Alabama is probably going to be a really high pick. Um, Derek Brown out of Auburn and Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. And then probably one of Dexter Lawrence or Christian Watkins out of Clemson. Those are all going to be like top 12 guys. So unless we like really fall flat in our face in the second half of the season and like the kind of the, the upswing that we're on just comes to a crashing halt, those guys are probably not going to be available for us. Right. So then you have this really interesting next layer. Like at defensive end, you have a guy like uh, Joe Jackson out of Miami or Zach Allen out of Boston College. They kind of epitomize the two things you're looking did at. You, did you already say Montez Sweat? Can I just say Montez Sweat? Just so, the name? Uh, I will bring up Montez <laughs> Sweat in a second. Favorite R&B singer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, he'll also be singing at the uh, I-5 showroom of the... All right. Uh, Emerald Queen Casino. That's it. Montez Sweat. So Joe Jackson, Josh Allen out of Kentucky, Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. They kind of represent these like 250-ish pound kind of long lean. Uh, you think about like a 3-4 rush end. Uh, who could bulk a little bit. And play outside in our defense. 
Or you look at a guy like Zach Allen out of Boston College, who's like in that 280-pound kind of size, where they can hold the line. So I actually, if we're going defensive end, I don't necessarily like the top-end first-round talent. I would rather us trade back and look at a guy like Austin Bryant or Chase Winovich. So Austin Bryant's uh, kind of the fourth man out of Clemson who was really a hyped prospect. He runs about like 6'4", 260. Uh, Chase Winovich is a very similar size out of Michigan where Rashawn Gary's getting a lot of the love. And what I like about Austin Bryant and Chase Winovich is both of them might not be getting quite as much credit as they should because there's like an A1 guy on their line, which can cause them to end up getting downplayed a little bit. But these are both really talented pass rushers who fit really well into a 4-3 style defense. The other guy that I know uh, Nathan likes out of USC is Porter Gustin. Porter Gustin got hurt. USC USC, um, pass rushers are my kryptonite, Kevin. Yep. So uh, Porter Gustin got hurt, which might kick him down the list a bit. Um, he's a guy who might be available later than he should be. Anthony Nelson out of Iowa is a guy who might be around late. There's some interesting guys who will be in that third round range. My favorite thing when you start getting around the third round is the guy who was productive at a school with high level competition, but not necessarily a guy who has like a world beater talent. So that's what you'd be looking at in the third round. So that's kind of what's around for defensive end. Do you want to hit defensive tackle? Um, sure, sure. Like, uh, so you think I want to hit that so, mainly for okay. the interior guys. So who do you like better, Raekwon Davis or Quinnen Williams? Like these two, the, the interior guys for Alabama. Like, do you have a do you have a strong preference there? I think Raekwon Davis is a more talented player. Okay, so then both those guys are are pretty pretty good, right? Like they both will go in the top twenty ish. Do you think? It's really hard to tell this far out. The thing uh, is there, there's like, there's like ten guys in this defensive tackle class that I feel like in a different Oliver year would be really good. Would be top twenty five guys. Like Derek Brown out of Auburn is like is extremely talented. Like if if someone's like Ed Oliver's best defensive tackle prospect, cool. Yeah, I believe you. Raquan Davis best defensive tackle. Pro- oh, I believe that. Yeah, Derek Brown best defensive tackle prospect. Yeah, in a lot of drafts he would be. Rashawn Gary would be the best three tech in a draft. In so many drafts. What about I? What about Isaiah Bugs, Kevin? That guy's pretty good too. I actually like Isaiah. He's actually my second favorite interior defensive lineman on Alabama. Yeah, well, I mean, like that's the thing. Alabama's loaded, bro. Like Isaiah Bugs has what, like eight, nine sacks this year. Like he has a lot of. Sacks. He's been really effective. I know he has a lot of pressures for sure. Uh, and like you just go in and it just it's like these guys are just. I don't understand how anyone in college football like why would you well, want to play against Alabama? They're they're so good. But like, like it's not just Alabama. Again, like Dexter Lawrence and Christian Watkins and Clemson, that might be a more talented interior defensive line than Alabama has, which is insane. Uh Draymond Jones out of Ohio State, you're talking about like a top tier three tech defensive tackle. Pass rush from the inside. Uh, Jerry Tiller from Notre Dame, who has a lot of length and power. He could be a really interesting guy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Jaron Reed. Um, like, this is a really stacked... Like like you said, this like goes 10 deep. Great games out of Washington, who I'm assuming a lot of us have seen. If you've seen Greg Gaines play, you know Greg Gaines is really good. Greg Gaines is like the 12th best defensive tackle in this class. Yeah, and he's 
probably going to be like a third, maybe a fourth round pick. And he's a guy who would be probably a second round pick in a lot of drafts because he's not just a run stuffer. Like, this is a stacked, stacked defensive line class. And I mean, like, you look at like, um, like Pro Football Focus has their big board up and they put like, like Ed Oliver's eighth on their big board. And like, I, I, I've watched a Houston game this year and I was like, this guy is otherworldly good like he's so good or like you see like all these guys just dropping down the board that i think in the normal draft like these these defensive tackles and defensive ends would not be this far down but it's just it's just hard like yeah that's where they love quinn and williams by the way uh pro football focus that's why i i brought him up like they said they put him fifth on their big board and he went way up like he went way up on their last update so i just think that's interesting that like these guys could all still move around quite a bit in the process, like right now, the Dex- thing with Quentin Williams is, I, isn't he a junior? Quentin Williams, yeah, uh, maybe. I have no idea. Uh, if if I'm thinking correctly, then I think he's one of those people where at the beginning of the season they weren't entirely sure he's going to be coming out because of the depth on defensive line. Like if here's the thing, if you're one of those guys where you're in contention for top defensive line, yeah, he's, a, he's a sophomore that can come out. He's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, if he waits until next year, he could be like a consensus top five pick. But like right now, he's a top five pick to some people. That's what I'm saying. Right? right, but it's it's good. Like this is one of those crowded D tackle classes. If he does come out, this is where you end up with like best case scenario for the Seahawks. Because yeah, let's that, say the Seahawks pick somewhere around twentieth. Yeah, you're correct. And everyone comes out, and then all of a sudden, like Christian Watkins falls to like twentieth, and he'd normally be like the number two defensive tackle. Yeah, and. Or it what we or if we end up going like double D line, which I would be totally fine with, the year that Tyler Lockett came out at wide receiver, that was a stacked wide receiver class. Yeah. There were wide receivers everywhere and everyone knew it. And Lockett's a guy who would have probably been a second round talent normally, but he was a little undersized and it was, everyone picked their guy early and Lockett was sitting there in the third round and he was better than a third round talent. And what you could end up seeing is, you know, everyone picks their guy, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, DeMarcus Christmas out of Florida State, or Terry Beckner Jr. out of Missouri, or Daniel Wise out of Kansas, or, or uh, um, one of these dudes, uh, Dontavious Russell out of Auburn or something, like Raekwon Williams out of Michigan State. One of these guys is just, like, sitting there in the third or the fourth round for no reason, and you're just like, yeah, I will definitely take a really strong three-tech defensive tackle in the fourth round. That's great. Give that to me. Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. I think that pretty much sums up defensive line. Is that that's the most interesting position. If you're like going to go deep researching a position, I think, and on the off season, this is probably going to be the one that we we go the deepest in trying to figure out like exactly what's going on. Because it's a position where we clearly could use a couple extra guys, and the draft is stacked for that. All right, four, three, or sorry, outside outside linebacker. Because let's be honest, Bobby's under contract, Mingo's under contract, uh, Quim's under contract, Beal's under contract. Colitro, thank you for your service. <laughs> Michael Kendricks uh, is not under contract and probably, but I wouldn't but he mind. He is under bars. I wouldn't yeah. mind bringing him back if he can somehow avoid jail. And then KJ Wright is an unrestricted free agent. So let's talk KJ Wright. Um, four three outside linebacker contracts. Von, I think Vontaze Perfect is a good bar for him. Ten point eight million dollars a year. Do do you pay him? Maybe Nigel. 
Nigel Bradham makes eight. Levante David makes ten. Um, I think he's going to go. He's going to be in that ten. He's going to be between eight and ten. If we can get close to eight, it's worth it. If he's over ten, that's hard. Jamie Collins makes twelve and a half. Olivia Vernon makes seventeen. That's like a terrible. That's ridiculous. How uh, how old is KJ? It's a, a dumb contract. Why is Olivia Vernon the only four three outside linebacker making? Because it's like, his fancy first name. Um, because he was originally a three four rush end. Yeah, but like he. Why would you bring in a defensive end to convert him to linebacker? It just that, that Olivia because Vernon he was him. originally supposed to play rush end for the Giants, and then they panicked. Hey, it's it's like, a Giants move. Put Don't him back question at defensive it. End. Yes, they should, but the Giants are bad at football. All right. Anyway, even if he's not going to get fifteen sacks, like seven sacks is more worth it than zero because he's not going to get any explanation. Uh, this is really dumb. That's anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right now he makes six. His average at salary this in his contract was six seven five, which is exactly the same as Thomas Davis. Um, and a little less than Sean Lee. All those guys deserve more money. They all should be in this perfect David range, about ten million. So you would let's just thumbs up or thumbs down. Yes or no? He asks ten point five annually. Kevin, gun to your head. Yes or no? Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Kevin says no. Eric, uh, I say no unless you can front load that contract and get him down to eight, like in year two and three, and then front load him for eleven and a half next year. I say absolutely yes. He has outplayed really? my wildest expectations. Um, I would How not want. It, I would not want it to go more than four years. I want him till he's thirty-three. Oh, Nathan! He's twenty-nine right now. Hey, Nathan, what? It's too old. Who's the best outside linebacker or four-three outside linebacker in the NFL? Uh, Melvin Sweat, Vaughn Miller. I mean, I just don't think you have to be. You don't have to be crazy young to play this position. It's not like. Uh, it's not like. He's a. I don't really know if I want to pay that back. much to a 32 year old though. So my thing is, if we're paying him over 10 million, coming off the injury, he might go under 10 though. Let's I honest. think I think Barkevis Mingo for what we're paying him can give us a significant fraction of what KJ does, and give us a lot more financial flexibility. We just but looked. if we can get KJ for around uh, for under 10, then I feel really good about that. Okay. Uh, uh, safeties. All right, it's actually they lumped all secondary together, but we'll just do safeties. Uh, we're gonna pay Chancellor thirteen million dollars next year. Uh, McDougal four point seven. Griffin, we got Shaquille, we got Delano, we got Tedrick, we got Trey Flowers. Um, we have a bunch of guys we can RFA and, and UFA, but none of them really. Okay, Justin Coleman, should we bring him back? Yes. How? What's the number you would pay like a nickel cornerback <sighs> like that? Uh, can you give me some com- comparable contracts? Yeah, I so, have, so I have like, no. I, the thing is, is that because the star cornerback is like a relatively new position, this is a very difficult thing for me. How to much do. is Kendall Fuller getting? But I'm gonna paid? go Chris Harris as my oh, okay. as my comp. He makes he made eight, eight and a, he makes eight and a half annually. Um, I think that that's gonna be the kind of number that Coleman's looking for. Yeah, I think if we can, I think around there. So basically, at this point, if you were to tell me, hey, do you want KJ Wright or Justin Coleman? I want Coleman. We have a lot of cap room next year. I just want to make that clear. Like we only have, a, we don't have that many guys under contract next year. A lot of it's going to get eaten up by Frank Clark, though. We're also going to have to pay Russ coming up because his contract's over after 2019. Yeah, um, I don't think we're going to pay him next year, though. We're not going to give him. Or we up. sign him, but the contract starts after this Correct. one ends. I agree. Um, so we all say sign Coleman, Eric. You in, you in on that? Yeah, actually, when we were talking about what do you pay him. I was going to throw like, I don't know, like 7 million seems kind of high, but about the number maybe. And that he, if he goes for seven, I think that's probably all right. All right. Thorpedo. 
2.5 million. No. I'm fine. Easy. saying goodbye to the Thorpe. Shaquem Griffin can be the new captain of our special team. Easy, guys. That. Easy. This is the torpedo we're talking about here. Okay. Is he going to sign for one? Easy. No, he's gonna he's gonna get two million dollars from someone. Okay, well, someone can give him two million then. We did this year. Okay, uh, Earl Thomas. Someone else. Is there a snowball's chance in hell Earl Thomas wears a Seahawks uniform again? What tender do you give him? Uh, transitional tag. So you. That this is what I would do. I would say, Earl, we love you. We want you back on our team. Here's the transition tag. Please go find the go best find the contract, contract possible, and we will just sign it, whatever it is, no and matter end what. Up with Nate Burleson. And the thing is, the thing is, if you look at <laughs> if you look at free safety, like the free safety contracts, like what is he expecting? I like, like this Nathan eleven two. Like also, let's let's face it, man. Hey Earl, uh, remember your boys? They didn't want to come get you Eric, for a second rounder. Eric Weddle got ten, and he'll make eleven. Eric Weddle got eight two. Like I'm, I mean, like eight point two million annually when he went to the Ravens. Like that, and he's good. He's Harrison good. Smith re-signed his new contract for ten a year. I just don't get what Earl is. Tyron Matthews make, making seven million dollars this year. Like, what what kind of free safety market does he think is going to develop where he's going to get like fourteen million? There's one guy that makes over eleven. Isn't it million. Eric Berry's it's terrible contract? Eric Berry's terrible contract. Like, no one wants to have Eric Berry. Like, and he's not even playing right now. Like, the only guy who makes over uh, eleven. Uh, over 12 is Eric Berry, and Devin McCourty makes just under, and he's in the last year of his contract, and trust me, the the there's like a 100% chance that he gets cut by the Patriots next year to save $10 million. I feel like the Cowboys trading for Amari Cooper and giving up a first-round pick was, in a way, an insult that could come back and help us. Because remember how bad the Cowboys wanted Earl, but they didn't really want to give a second-round pick for him, and then they spent a first-round on Frickin' Amari Cooper. Um, I believe that that is going to kind of help put things in perspective for Earl. This could just be me loving Earl. I don't know. But I feel like we can get him back on that tag for around $8, 9000000 million a year. I think that's fair. And I think it's possible. Okay. Yeah, I'd go up to... I'd pay him what he's getting... What, I'd pay him what he's making now. I think I Earl's want, more valuable to us than he is to anyone else. I want him to try to redeem himself as a Seahawk. I think that it would be a cool story for him. A cool story for the team. Uh, I think yeah. that... He, remember, deal? he doesn't just feel disrespected by the Seahawks. He feels disrespected by the league. He, no one will give him money. And I wouldn't be surprised, though, Earl's a weird guy, if no one decides to give him $13 million, if he just packs it up and says, I'm done. He's a very stubborn individual. He's super he stubborn. That's what makes him great. And if he wants to do that, that's cool. The fact that we're giving Cam Chancellor $13 million a year is next year is why they're not giving him a ton of guaranteed money. You know? Like, it's just... It is what it is. That... That contract messed up his contract. So if he should be mad at anyone, he should be mad at his old teammate. Uh, would you resign Janikowski? No. No. Me either. But I would chug a beer with him. Okay, that's yep. it. That's it. That's everyone, guys. We did it. The whole roster. Okay. Um, so, Do you want to hit drafts for any other positions? Are you good? Um, I think it's fine. There's good cornerbacks in this draft too, right? Can there you are pretty give good me a cornerbacks. Couple, can you give me a couple quick hitters for that? Uh, a couple guys I like. Elijah Holder out of Stanford is a really interesting player who kind of fits the archetype that we like. Amani, uh, it's Aruye or something along those lines out of Penn State is another guy. Lavert Hill out of Michigan. And uh, Trayvon, Mc, uh, Trayvon Mullen out of uh, Clemson are some guys to keep an eye on. If it goes later... Than that, then the Big Ten has like a million guys, 
And uh, UW's got a couple people that are going to be coming out that will be really interesting. Specifically, Jordan Miller might be available in those uh, mid-late rounds. All right, you guys you guys ready for uh, – okay, let's do the, the, the fastest money zone of all time. Uh, you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast and you want to give us money, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Every week we give you our picks. Last week Eric went 13-1. and I went 12-2. and We are on fire right now. Head over to patreon.com. Join the patrons. Here's the names of the people. Augustine, Arthur, Brett, Brian, Brian, Chuck Attila, Cody, David, Forrest, Frank, Jose, Josh, Keith, Carrie, Kevin, Kieran, Kimberly, Lucas, Michael, Mike, Mirza, Nick, Richard, Russell, Tom. I read everyone this week. William and Zachary. Thank you so much for your support. It matters so much to us. And then also, you know, follow us on social media, five stars on iTunes. I said it would be fast. I was not lying. This week, Gerard Butler stars in Hunter Killer. But that's not the most important part. Gary Oldman just won an Oscar, and apparently he is just screaming his way through this movie, just <laughs> shout acting the whole thing. And so, my question for you Gary for this week's movie club: What is the best, the worst movie a very good actor has been in, in your opinion? Okay, what's a bad movie? Oh my god! And I'm gonna start. And I'm gonna start you. I'm gonna start you off. Okay, you guys can Google or whatever you want to do on your phones. I'm gonna start you off with a good one. It's gotta be something we. Halle Berry like. oh. is a very good actress. <laughs> And the movie Catwoman is the worst movie I have ever watched. And if you want to see like a really weird scene to just prove my point, two two scenes. Okay, Google Catwoman basketball where she plays basketball against Benjamin Bratt. And it's like sexy basketball, but you can tell she doesn't really know how to play basketball. And there's a bunch of kids around, but she's like grinding up on him and stuff. It's very strange. And then she dunks. It's, it's just the weirdest scene. And the other one is Catwoman Catnip, where she's at a house and someone has catnip and she starts going crazy. It is the worst movie starring an actress that I think is a very good actress. It's bad. Almost as bad as her performance in, uh, in the X-Men movies as Storm, which what sound does a frog make when it's hit by lightning? And okay, the same, the same sound. What monotone, li- what monotone does she do all of her lines in? The same monotone Basically, she uses for every But I think one. Halle Berry was like, Halle Berry was agent was like hey here's this movie it's a superhero movie and she's like superheroes suck and she's like here's the paycheck for it and she's like superheroes i can monotone this one in yeah i got this hey remember she uh she did earn the raspberry for the for the catwoman movie and she brought her gold her oscar to yeah the- and she also re- <laughs> reenacted her speech from uh getting her oscar it's awesome she was yeah, she, she she's was a, a good sport, sport. that was uh, good eric what's your uh Good actor in a very, very bad movie. This is in so... honor of Gary Oldman shouting his way through Hunter Killer. This is gotta. <laughs> oh man, you gotta. You, why'd you? Why'd you surprise Okay, do you want me to give you? This? Do you want me to give you another one? I can give you more. I have like a whole bunch. Yeah, give us a couple of, of these. Um, ben Affleck in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. I don't. I don't know. Okay. Ben Affleck is. That's a fact. Ben Affleck's a good ben actor. Affleck's a good actor. He's not. He's Better definitely actor, not bad. Actor. He's fine. I just don't know if he's a treasure. I'm thinking treasure. But in that movie, he is so bad, and he's phoning it in. And like, why did you say that name? The that funny is, thing is about like that worst. is, you say he's phoning it in. He loves that role, and it's like you're bad. You're bad. Stop. All right, fine. You want me to give you one? Yes, I'm yes. ready. Uh, I will give you an actor who acted his butt off in a tire fire of a movie, and that would be Raul Julia as M. Bison in the Street Fighter movie, a movie he shot because he knew he was not much longer for this world. And his kids would like it. And his kids would like it. This is a good choice, very Kevin. good actor. 
in a very bad movie. And what makes it even worse is he's not just collecting a paycheck here. He's the only person legitimately trying to act in the entire movie. Nah, I disagree. I really feel like John claude Van Damme's doing his best to play an American with that accent. <laughs> Why would you cast John claude Van Damme as Guile? John claude Van Damme spent a great time was did an excellent job of trying to act like a person coked out of his mind. Okay. Trying to act Eric, like he wasn't. Do you want, coked another, out do you want of his a serious mind? one? How yeah. about Tom Hanks in the Da Vinci Code movies? Oh, That's those a are, fact. Those, are those movies, those movies are, are really bad and Tom Hanks is like He's actually trying in those movies, too. He's, like, trying to be, make them good. He tried in the first movie. The second movie, he looks there, bored. I didn't see the second movie. I only saw the first one. In the first one, he was definitely trying. What about the Denzel and Virtuosity, Kev, Eric? <laughs> oh, another, another favorite from the Denzel Eliminator. What about how, like, how much did James Judy Dench mail it in in Chronicles of Riddick, Oh, too? that's... Honestly, <laughs> that might be my favorite because she dances around because she's a wind elemental. <laughs> What about like what about like what about like Bruce Willis in almost every movie he makes? Yeah, Bruce Willis, he's a super big movie star. He doesn't it doesn't matter what he's in. You know, one thing comes to mind but I didn't see it. Tom Cruise in the Mummy. <laughs> like you oh. you summed it up perfectly. You said like he is keeping that movie from being the worst movie ever made and it's still the worst movie ever what made. What about uh Forrest Whitaker in Battlefield Earth? <laughs> well, I don't think I was also in Ghost Dog. Like Ghost Dog's a good movie, bro. Bruce Whitaker does not have uh, does not have standards. Well, wow, Clooney and Batman makes. and Robin, Eric. Oh, that's uh, obvious. I don't think that movie was ever made. I think you're wrong. How about uh, Sandra Bullock in White Savior, the movie also known as The Blind Side? Did she win an Oscar for that role? <laughs> yeah, that's why you never. Trust I will the Oscars. stick by that claim. Uh, how about Michael Fassbender in Are You There, Mister Police, aka The Snowman? Hey, what, what did Benicio del Toro do in Big Top Pee Wee? Uh. I have no idea. I saw him on and that I list. And I should know. And Big Top Pee Wee is like my least favorite Pee Wee. <laughs> it's your least favorite yeah, Pee Wee? Yeah, my least favorite Pee Wee. I mean, Johnny Depp's in like 15 bad movies. How about Jake Gyllenhaal in Prince of Persia's Hands of Time? I thought that movie was not that bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's probably I know not you're that bad because this. of Gyllenhaal. I know you're trying to bait me in this. What about Nicolas Cage in almost every movie he's in? Uh, here's the thing. You're claiming Nicolas Cage is good. Uh, have say, you seen... Have you seen... Have Vampire's you seen Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> That's some great character acting. Hey! I'm babe, a vampire! I'm say. a vampire! I'm a vampire! <laughs> when he puts the teeth in, it's so funny. L-M-N-O! <laughs> the fact he goes to Z on the alphabetizing is exceptional. It's not that hard to, to alphabetize! <laughs> It's just like so good. Nathan's, Nathan, Nathan's Nicholas Cage sounds like Egger Suit from Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's what I'm doing. That's not Nicholas Cage in that perfect. movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage is so bad in that. You movie. know when you said Gary Oldman, I was like, "We're talking Gary Oldman," and then you were like, "Let's switch the script." Well, I mean, I just want, thought it would be a good, quick, top, funny topic. So, uh, anything else before we hit the road here? Because we we had no time. That's why I did that. Oh, Denzel Washington and John Q. And in Virtuosity, man, Denzel Denzel has some. He's trying so so hard. Oh, Russell Crowe in Virtuosity. So for yeah, Russell Crowe Virtuosity even more. Uh, but, Amy Adams in Leap Year. Amy Adams can actually act. Yeah, good call. I haven't seen Leap Year, though, so I have no It's not good. Okay. It's everything. That, okay, read the back isn't, of the movie. Isn't, it's that movie. Isn't Leap Year, like, also the same plot as, like, The Boathouse, where, like, they're, they're like, it's like a time travel romance movie? No, it's uh, one of those ones where I... 
Oh, it's like, like it's like Valentine's Day where it's like multiple stories interacting with each no, other. No, it's she's <laughs> supposed to like it's it's like the she's proposing because he won't thing, and then she ends up falling in love with someone along the way. It's 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 All not right. good. Philip for Kevin Seymour Garber Hoffman. For Eric Gronenbeck, send us your favorite bad movie with a good actor in it on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks!